0: the person you turn to when you need advice the person who gives you confidence and strength the person who's been your biggest support the person you shop with ask their opinion and trust them implicitly
1: for me it's hi ma hi Del. as a mother and daughter we know we have a close bond but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different and that's exactly what we want to explore
0: Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers and Daughters Podcast. Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. How are you? Good. Really? Well, I've finally figured out what is causing my sickness. And? chronic sinusitis that's not good no back on antibiotics <laughs> back on again. antibiotics again but anyway at least um i know now not I shocked by well that at fact, least it's but- <laughs> good to have a reason why
1: you're not feeling, feeling myself yes exactly i was going to blame homeschooling but can't, yes. no i can't blame it on that entirely you can't blame coops entirely for your illnesses <laughs> Maybe you stress, stress, levels. stress, stress,
0: yes, but not, um, not, oh, not. I did look up one of the, um, not necessarily symptoms, but one of the sort of downsides of, uh, I also have chronic sinusitis and mastoiditis, not mastitis, mm. mastoiditis mm. is irritability. I was like, oh, now it all makes sense. Okay. That's why. So, can't, so try. I can't, so that's why I have no patience for the kids at the moment because
1: I have this. That's no good. Well, hopefully yeah. this next lot of antibiotics will set Team you trick. on a better path. Yeah. I might sound different afterwards too. You, you don't sound don't too, sound bad too any, nasally any at the you moment. You don't look so bad. So that's That's the most important. Exactly. As long as you look good. <laughs> Who cares how you feel, but as long as
0: you Although look it's good. Really drained. You know how usually to make yourself feel better you wash your hair and blow dry it? Mm. Didn't work. Well, I have like no energy and I can't be bothered to do it. And usually, if I felt like that, I would go get my hair done. I know, I mean, and now I can't. I know, first of all, problem. But in saying that, going to the hairdresser did force me into isolation, and I still miss it. Mm. I still miss it because I had no energy to do my own hair. But oh, I not shame. That is a shame. Maybe I should do it true. for you. You stopped doing that when I was eight because I got too tall. Well, and um, I think I
1: taught you, you taught how to me d- a life oh, lesson: yes, how to do your own hair. You a didn't a teach very... me to
0: iron though. It
1: Oh. I think you avoided it every time I kind of said, let's learn how to iron. <laughs> Not iron the hair, iron clothes. Really? That blank look on your face. Really?
0: I think because I was left-handed, you were right-handed, and it never felt right huh. right to me. I don't think there's such a left-hand iron. Is there? No, but the way you were instructing me, it felt oh, awkward. Oh, okay. So I just, just threw blame in the it. towel. Okay, let's just blame
1: it on that. Yeah,
0: anyway. I will. <laughs> So this week we have on an amazing. Oh God, just we're not going to talk about Father's Day first. Oh,
1: sorry. Yes, back to Shout, yes. Sorry, take that back. Rewind. Yes. Shout out to, to all the fathers. Yes, and um, and all the I guess all the male fathers in our lives. My That's husband. Right. So my dad. Yeah.
0: Happy Father's Day, my dad. husband.
1: My wonderful husband (laughs) who I probably didn't talk I didn't give him much credit in our last podcast and I do want to make amends and say we've been married for nearly 38 years work together um best of friends. We do everything together.
0: I think it's phenomenal as a side note that not only have, yes, mum and dad worked together for so many years, but they don't have a lot of like separate activities from each other. They golf together. I mean, dad does do competition now on his own, but they golf together. They obviously socialize together now they're slightly more separate. Mum's upstairs in her office. Dad is downstairs. But, but we still see up, a, a they lot were of each other. always
1: uh, they were pretty much in the same office space. We have. We, I'm very blessed. We have a, a great relationship. Yeah, and um, I don't think Shell would tolerate seeing me for yeah. that many hours a day. Anyway, so shout out to
0: him. He's, he's a wonderful father. He's an amazing dad. An amazing, amazing grandfather. Grandfather. He was. He's honestly very. Hands on. I'm very lucky to have not only very hands on grandmothers, but
1: grandfathers. So that's also my father in law, Alan, who's amazing. also a very happy Father's Day. He's yes. also an amazing grandfather. He is an amazing is father. husband. As amazing is my husband. Father. He's also an amazing father. And I probably just on a sad note will be um, the first Father's Day yeah, for my Papa. husband, yeah. uh, my sister-in-law, and obviously it was my father-in-law, your grandfather. Yeah. This is the first year. Sadly, that he won't be with us. Uh, He passed away earlier this year. So that's on just a a bit of a sad note because obviously we're thinking of him, obviously, at this this time too.
0: And, you know, he was also as an amazing grandfather in my life for, you know, 36, almost 36 years. He was a very... Warm, loving. He used to tell us the most amazing stories that he would make up, um, because obviously English wasn't his first language. So he would make up these stories when my brother and I would spend Friday nights there, and I would really have to go back into my memory bank
1: to try and remember to it. remember some of the stories. Something
0: about a fox who, st- who stole a piece of cheese, but he always referenced like the deli. That's where mm-hmm. my grandparents worked. Anyway, I'm sure it'll come back to me at some point, but it was a great story and I always used to ask
1: him to retell the story. So, anyway, we're thinking of all the amazing uh, male people in our lives, past and present. Yeah. And um yeah, so lucky to have just wonderful men surrounding us and yes. now two gorgeous little boys. So, very very, very lucky. Very lucky. Bit out, have great I think, males. I think, yeah, a bit outnumbered <laughs> at the moment. It's it's true. Yes. But
0: anyway. but anyway, I know the boys are always like, there are three boys and one girl in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, remind, Just, to, reman- just guys, to remind you, just, just in case you didn't know. The, yeah. <laughs> thanks for the math. Isn't no, that funny? Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. So. so this week, moving on back to the mothers and daughters in our lives, mm. um, we spoke to Helen. And Ariel from the Babes Project. And oh my goodness, they are a real powerhouse. Helen started the Babes Project because she realized that there was just not enough support and infrastructure for women who go through a crisis pregnancy. And whether that's having a child very early in terms of the mother's age, or there has been drug abuse or um or no no support. Or no family support or, or she homelessness, was even uh,
1: homelessness, you know, or, just, or yeah, or abuse. Yeah. Um, I mean oh. it's it's just amazing when she was saying it and you sort of think, Oh my gosh, this goes on. You know, it's not just you know, a woman going in with this, you know, wonderful husband mm. or or female partner or whatever, that you just don't think about all those other women that yeah. are pregnant and are going through this. And what happens when they yeah. get to hospital,
0: leave hospital, what's there for them. And that is what the Babes Project is about. They have three centres, two in Melbourne or Victoria Victoria, and one in in Cairns mm. um, that luckily is still running because no lockdowns in Cairns.
1: But but Victoria, Victoria, they unfortunately cannot
0: have their on-site visits, but they do also have a national program which is virtual, so they're continuing their work that way. But they are just phenomenal and so determined to push through even though they don't necessarily have the funding that they need to help all the women that they want to help. Unfortunately, they've sort of not always maxed out. They don't even like to turn anybody away. But, but she was also
1: saying, you know, funding mm. would be you know, like that. That's so beneficial so Im- so for them. So beneficial, yeah. For uh, you know, all their centres. She was obviously talking about you know that she would love to go more national, but obviously it it takes a lot of money. Takes a lot of money because it it's
0: physical centres that these mothers usually outside of COVID and, times, and they have can come volu- into a,
1: a lot of voluntary, a lot of voluntary,
0: but also yes. paid staff. So her daughter, who is twenty one. And is, hopefully, once she finishes Law, is definitely going to make <laughs> a change in
1: this world. I can oh, see Oh, she's, she's just, I mean, not only are they absolutely beautiful women. I mean, you have to have a look stunning. Inside and out. But, you know, like so, the do- her daughter was so switched on. Yep. I've never seen probably such a, well, I called her level headed, focused Mm. young woman um is amazing. And she was saying that she works not not all the time, but you know, helps out in the at the babes project. And obviously is a is a you know wonderful um support to a mother that way. Yeah. But um I mean just both of them are just amazing young women. Yeah. And Helen did this because
0: she was 20 when she fell pregnant and so she realized she didn't have the support after hospital. She did find two women, she said in New Zealand, that were so supportive of her mm. um and realized, hang on, I should there should be something there. So she started off working at a hospital and then has, you know, over time and different iterations, the Babes Project has come about. And well, she certainly paid it forward, didn't she? She did. And she's received an OAM very deservingly for it mm. because, yeah, being a mum, even with all the trimmings in life, can be challenging. So when you take that away. And she's had another daughter since yeah, as well. Yeah, she's Peyton's uh, 16, uh-huh. 15 or 15, 16. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they will definitely be making – Big changes in this world. And A- absolutely. Yes. Uh, really um, wonderful to listen to. Yeah. So, definitely, if that is something
1: that you know somebody needs or you just want to follow their story. And, and any funding that would go their way definitely it would be amazing. Amazing for them. Mm. So, that's at the Babes Project and
0: we hope you enjoyed this week's episode and happy father's day again happy to
1: father's day. every father out there okay so
0: let's start off can you both tell us a little bit about yourselves
2: can <laughs> go first Sure. Well, I'm Helen and I run the Babes Project and we support women through crisis, pregnancy and beyond. So in the first year of um, parenting, um, and that can look really, really different for each woman. But uh, I guess for me, it came about because I was in my third year of architecture and found out I was pregnant. And at that time, it was really challenging. I didn't have a lot of support around me. Um, I'm a, originally a Kiwi, so So um, we didn't have a lot of family here and, yeah, I had my baby girl. And Ariel is it. (laughs) Um, And I guess on that that journey, I learned a lot. And I also learned how uh, significant uh, support is for women um, when they're having babies. And when we don't have that, that we, um, you know, we become instantly vulnerable. And so I felt that we needed to do more as a society. And that's where we are today, running the Babes Project and working with lots of women.
3: Yeah, um, I'm Ariel and Helen's daughter and kind of my whole life has been defined by that story, but in a really, really positive way. Um, I don't really know what to say about me. I <laughs> am a student. I've studied um, <laughs> politics and English and I'm now studying law. And I feel like that has always come from kind of the social justice gene in our house. We've always been taught through action more than words, honestly, watching mum in particular to do something that gives back to the community and where you can be an advocate for other people. So that's kind of what defines me at the moment. Gosh. And I work at Babes a little bit. I was going to say. Because
0: you've got so so much time between all your studies that you're giving back to other people at the same time. So that's very, it's it's beautiful that you've continued that on and and also I guess you've been modelled that behaviour. So it's probably second nature to you as well.
3: Yeah
1: gosh how how proud both
0: of yeah, you must nice be, to be
3: here.
1: yeah how proud both of you must be of each other like you know such admiration for for both of you uh, you're incredible incredible women
2: <laughs> thank you mm-hmm. well thank you I think um you know I I saying we're proud of each other is um you know we definitely do that but I think Um, it's important for us that this like just being mindful of how other people live and their challenges um, yeah that's really important to us so it's sort of become the norm because we've we've lived it and if we have those opportunities then then other people should as well Um, and so yeah it's just really normal for us and um, you know the women that we get to work with and our team gets to work with, we're we're really privileged to have that opportunity. Um, And so we don't take it for granted that they invite us into this amazing time of their lives um, Mm. having children. Um, So we we love it. We get a lot out of it. (laughs) I'm sure. I mean, there's something
0: so rewarding when you help someone with their child, even if it's just for a brief moment in time, but it, it... leave such a lasting impression Mm, mm. when someone's helped you, especially when you feel that vulnerable in the early stages of whether Mm. it's a difficult pregnancy or, um, you know, when you first have a newborn. It's not like they come with an instruction manual. So, you know, you need that. (laughs) You need support from somewhere, whether it's family or externally. It's great that you give that to mums who really do need it.
3: Yeah, and I think for me, it's been such a privilege and lovely experience over the last six months. Of course, I've always known what babes is and what mum does um, since I was very young, but just to kind of become part of it a little bit more, and um, I am in the admin hub, so I don't work with women, but I get to hear their stories and tell their stories, and that's actually such a privilege, and it has really, um, I guess, strengthened my passion for it and made me even more proud and in awe of what um, Babes does, and it's been just the best experience. Yeah, wonderful, amazing, Helen. If I can sort of go, we're back. making it
1: sound really <laughs> positive. Oh. <laughs> If I can Sorry. go back, Helen, um, how was your pregnancy with Ariel?
2: Yeah, so um, I was 20. I moved um, from university back home for a little while. Um, my mum uh, let me move in for a bit, but I then moved out. I met some people who supported me. Uh, I went into the Salvation Army and there were two women there that helped me and they became my birthing partners neither of them were mums so oh, it was wow. their first experience of birth um have
0: they gone on to be m- was, have they gone on to have was
3: Melbourne
0: have they gone on yeah. to have kids yeah out? yeah um, oh, that's so nice one oh that's amazing full circle yes
2: yeah, it, it was amazing and i think um Yeah, from there I moved in with one one of them and I was there for the birth of her baby Um, and we were there until Ariel was six months old. Um, But pregnancy for me, yeah, it's definitely, I've got another daughter as well. She's 15 now and both of my pregnancies weren't great. Um, I just don't carry babies very well. I love birth but not the pregnancy so much. So just I guess for my first pregnancy with Ariel, Obviously, there was a lot of anxiety um, in play there and it was really challenging um, for so many reasons, but then to feel like it, it was really hard on my body as well, that was really challenging. And and I guess now, 20 years on, we're much more aware of what women go through mm. in their pregnancy and why they need support. Um but back then I just had no idea. I had no idea what was going on. And yeah, it was it was challenging. But of course it was worth Silver it. Silver linings, hundred percent. Mm. And I guess it's one of the things is
0: when you're at university, like you were saying, you're on this trajectory and you're like, okay, this is my plan for the next I mean, especially with architecture, five years. And then it kind of got derailed in a way. And so for you to Sort of try seek out that support and getting it from these two amazing women obviously influence the rest of your journey, which is, you know, just such a beautiful sort of full circle story that instead of going insular after, you know, obviously having what you say is a, is a crisis pregnancy, you've turned it into something that has helped thousands of of women across the country. And I think that's just a really nice sort of uplifting way of looking back at probably what was a very difficult time for you.
3: Yeah,
2: definitely. I think, um, you know, I was really, it was really challenging at the time and, and um, I don't know, some people would be surprised probably of what, was said to me and and some people around me at university sort of saying, but, you know, you will have no career. You mm. will not be able to pursue your dreams. And I think, um, you know, I've always been quite a passionate person. So if it wasn't architecture, it was definitely going to be something else. And I was just really lucky to have um, had the opportunities I have had to create something that I really believe in, and I think you know we don't always have those opportunities. So I was definitely going to take it as far as I could. Um, and you know I don't know if I was really going to be a great architect because I wasn't great at <laughs> the building side. And so I, my buildings wouldn't have stayed out. They would have looked great, but. <laughs> They would have probably. Uh, I was going to say, well, <laughs> after
0: this interview, we can ask my dad. You can, my dad's an architect, so you can just, you can just bounce off him uh-huh. and just see if, you know, if maybe the buildings would have st- stood up. But I think that, you know, someone yeah. else would have helped you out yeah. with that, that's for sure, <laughs> if you needed it.
3: Yeah,
1: for sure. So, can, I mean, can I ask, obviously, uh, when you found out you were pregnant, I mean, did you still continue at uni or did you decide, you know, that that was it, you you had to take a different path? Like was that was that hard for you?
2: Yeah, so I did continue through my pregnancy. I did it um remotely and remotely twenty years ago was not the same as no. remotely now. And um we barely had the in- barely had
0: the internet um yeah the remote learning would have been snail mail (laughs) that's for sure
2: yeah Yeah. so I got as far as I could and then I needed to do um my studio subjects and they were quite a lot of on-site hours and um that was in another town like I actually moved away um so I it was really challenging to be able to work out how to do that as a single mum um and so I did um I did always think I'd go back, but then I did work for an architect doing some drafting for a little bit. Hated it. <laughs> Hated it. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh and that's actually when I started working in the local hospital doing a, a program, just helping them get their women um engaged in clinics. So um it was actually voluntary, but it was um sort of when I started talking to them about my journey because I'd birthed there, they were like, I said, oh, it's not okay that women don't have this. So this sort of support. And so I sat down with with a few midwives and the head of the maternity ward and they said, look, one of the main problems we have um, is that we will always have some really great programs that sort of cover the broad aspects of a crisis pregnancy. Now, when I say crisis, it's just our, our lingo, but it can mean anything um, or a range of things. But they were saying, you know, we we can address this, but we, we really struggle to engage women. We're a health service and we can't always adapt things to understand the full needs of the women that we're working with. So they just disengage. Mm. So my role there was to help women engage in the program because I was young, I think, and because I'd lived it. Mm. And so um, through that, I, I was still dra- doing the drafting job and I started this and I was like, I, I think this is where I'm going. Mm. Um
3: also, I would go to those sometimes. I don't know if you were, if you took me all the time, but I was a toddler and I can just barely remember being there. So she was also doing all of this, you know, with, with me you. along.
1: <laughs> mm, that's very, very sweet. It's yeah. lovely that you remember all uh, you have. Yeah, lovely mem- or fond memories of that connection with your
3: <laughs> I think mother. I must have had, yeah, There's always stuff going on when I was little, so I can remember like quite young, but it's quite cool. <laughs> well, don't you think as mums, like in the
2: early years, our kids' first memories are often just being dragged to things that we're <laughs> <Yeah>. doing.
0: <laughs> I was going to say I relate to that so much because mum and dad have owned their own business um, ever since they were married. So it was before, just before I was born. And obviously I had to be carted around to all different things so mom's an interior designer, so I'd go to like fabric houses or clients her clients' places. places or whatever. And I just learned to just sit and observe in the corner. Mm-hmm. But when I think would mm-hmm. I bring my kids, well, at the moment, I guess uh-huh. my kids technically are coming with me to work with homeschooling, but there is mm-hmm. no way I'd bring them into uh-huh. any sort of office space at all.
1: They're just, <laughs> they're also, they're just very Busy boys, you know, yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I, <laughs> I think girls are quite different, but, you know, they can sit and be occupied so much easier than busy boys. Mm. Do,
0: you, do you have two boys? Jordan? I have two boys, yeah. So one just turned six and then my youngest Mason will be four in November. So, yeah. they. lovely.
3: I listened to the Emma Wiggle podcast oh, the other day you? and was cracking up. Oh, and- oh my god. Um, honestly, so
1: embarrassing. so embarrassing. Embarrassing. So-
0: and the worst and the worst <laughs> part is, is he was so not honest about how much <laughs> he really does love the wiggles. And I was so annoyed because I was like, we literally have been reading the Wiggles and you talk about them and, he's, like, you know, it's what got him into, I mean, I know screen time, I don't judge me, but it's what got him into TV in the first place and music. And so I was just mm-hmm. like, your idol's sitting right there. No, nah, just embarrassed. <laughs> it completely threw me under the bus. So fun. It yeah. was, yeah, typical honesty <laughs> of children. You know. And I'd said, you know, Mason yeah. loves the wiggles. And then of course he wanders in and, and completely threw me under the bus. So I was like, great. Anyway, she thought it was very so funny. funny. She yeah. didn't she uh, no surprise. <laughs> she didn't take offense. No, so she that was, was she was lovely. She's lovely. <laughs> <Very good. laughs> um Ariel, when did you sort of become aware? Obviously you were with your mum a lot, but when did you become aware that you had mm-hmm. quote unquote a young a young
3: mum? Oh, probably some of the naughty boys at school oh. <laughs> made me more aware of it. Okay. Yeah. Think, thinking you had a hot mum. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I was, I was thinking about this recently. I don't know if this is part of the story that you heard, but I also, mum got married when I was three and so that is my quote-unquote stepdad but I call him my dad Mm. and then I have a biological dad so I've always had a unique family structure and one thing I really commend my parents on is that I don't really have a memory of becoming aware of that, like I kind Mm. of always knew. And so it was never like an identity crisis that my family was a little bit different. And so I was really confident with it. And I would go into school and I'd be like, yeah, my mom's young. She's cool. You Mm. know, like I just thought it was the best thing ever, Mm. but definitely, um, the only time I probably ever got into like trouble in terms of like fighting at school is if a boy said something nasty about my mum and how young she was and oh. the fact that she wasn't married when I was born oh so
1: gosh how, but how nice schooling. how nice of you that you obviously felt so strongly about your mother that you obviously clearly defended her beautifully oh, I
0: mean a little
3: bit naughty, but yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh. look, we're also kids at you know when you look back, you were a child and that and and it's not like you could completely or, or not saying I, whether you got into something physical, but at the same time, if you're a kid, <laughs> you don't always have your words. So sometimes that's what happens. And, yeah. you know, it is nice to hear though that you went in it, it went into it with confidence. Like you never let that define uh-huh. who you were. Instead, you took it on board and were like, I have this unique family set up and how great that is uh-huh. and how much it's given you in return.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was so confident. Even year seven, like we had to do an about me presentation, and I was so excited f- to be at high school with so many new people. And I was like, Yeah, I'm going to tell them I have two dads. <laughs> They're going to think that's awesome. And then everyone was like, So are you adopted or what? And it was the worst. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have done it. But I just, like, there was zero shame or. Concern so it was re- I'm really grateful that I was so confident and secure in my family.
1: Well, obviously, Helen, you've done an incredible job of bringing up such a beautiful daughter.
3: Yeah, thank you.
2: I mean, um, her dad, which is who I married, um, <laughs> Dean. We're actually divorced now, yeah. but um, he, he's amazing, and he, you know, he really partnered with me in. Um, committing to raise her in a way that we wanted to raise her, not just reactive because I had her on my own early. Um, And, you know, he's a social worker. He works um, with uh, children and families. And so it was a really good, um, we had a really good understanding of what her needs were. And when we had um, Peyton, who's my other daughter, she you know we we had to be really conscious of how we would make that work because we didn't want Ariel or Peyton to feel like there was a huge difference um in how we treated mm. them. um and that that was that was you know that's a credit to him as well because um yeah, it was a really mm. it was a pretty good. I think in our parenting, we we did okay. Yeah, Yeah, really,
3: really well. Even like with my sister, the fact that biologically we're half sisters, just none of that ever came into play in terms of my dad's family or I just always felt like 100% family and biology didn't really make a difference. And so now that Pate is um, almost 16, we'll we'll joke, she'll be like, why do you have this colour hair and I have different and I'll go, different dads, and it's a joke. (laughs) But really we never stop to think about the fact that we're not 100% biologically sisters or anything like that and so i think it's really like i I'm, I'm very proud of it and oh, that's um, lovely
0: uh, wow yeah. beautiful and, and i think
3: that's definitely it
0: definitely comes from your parent you know you look sort of it comes from the the head of the family effectively mm-hmm. if that had become a thing that it was like this is you know your half sister and you know you've got different dads mm-hmm. and this and you know making it rather than just this is your family and and that's how we're going to that's how we're going to be, that's why, that's why you embraced it obviously that way and has obviously given you a great family, a blended, great blended family and, and family relationship.
3: Yeah, it's awesome.
2: I will say <laughs> <laughs> we don't always get it right. Oh, <laughs> no, well, that's I was going to say
0: nature. I'm sure you had your niggles <laughs> with your sister. It's very normal. I've, you know.
2: Oh, <laughs> families don't have to get
0: along all the time. That's not, you know. Yeah. There's no such thing
1: as smiles all the time. That's that's but, not real life. Yeah, but clearly there's a lot of love and loyalty, which I think you know that's mm. and you can. Mm.
3: Yeah, you can fight in our house, and then you're still family at the end of the day. Yeah, so mm. it's great. <laughs> that's very nice. And and Helen, can I just sort
1: of ask what? Uh, you know a bit of day to day with the base project what um what goes on on a daily basis
2: yeah sure so uh we have we have three sites so um or three pregnancy centers Um, one is in Frankston in Victoria, one is in Croydon, Victoria, and one is in Cairns in Queensland. Mm. Uh, and then we also have a national remote program. Um, and then we've got this building, which is the admin building. Um, and day to day we do, those centers see women. Um, they have, they open a few days a week. They're, They have some staff, but mostly volunteers and women. And they're fully trained by us, um, and have some external training as well. And then they come in. Women come in about uh, once a fortnight, and when they come in, they get the same two workers, workers who will um, listen and try to understand. You know where they're at. What some of the points of crisis are for them. So it might be that they didn't plan their pregnancy and that has meant that there's um, some real challenges for them, whether it's relationships or isolation, mental health, drug and alcohol addiction, Mm. um, homelessness. You know, a a pregnancy just exacerbates some of those challenges Mm. and um, that's often why we see women. And so... They will work through that with their workers, work out how to address some of those issues. Our workers also deliver train uh, education. So whether it's birth education, parenting, looking at their values, because we feel that it's really important that we step back and we start asking questions about what do you value so that we're not just... I guess, launching people into this parenting journey still in this reactive space, but instead we're saying, let's step back, think about how you want to raise your child, think about what's important to you, what values you want to pass on, and then you parent in in response to those values. And so that's a huge part of what we do. Um, we do some... <laughs> outside of COVID we do some Mm -hmm. workshops and uh, family lunches um, on top of those appointments Um, and we also uh, give them items for their baby. They're always brand new because we use them um, as tools to educate Um, and because a lot of our women don't have people to celebrate with them so Mm -hmm. they don't have new things for their baby. So Mm -hmm. we love to give them those, those new items.
3: Gosh.
2: And did this. That's I, us in a nutshell. I was going to say it's
0: a lot mm. in a nutshell. And did this all stem from when you first started working at the birthing centre where you had Ariel? Like is that how it yeah. kind of came about?
2: A lot of it started then. I think, you know, once you've experienced something and then you're immersed in it and, and can see that other people have that similar experience Um, it will change your perspective Mm. and so things that I'd never considered before I was now seeing is actually a systemic issue and needs addressing that's far needs to be far more substantial than us sort of saying to women here's a pack of nappies Mm. you go Mm. girl you can do it Mm. Um, you know because that is our temptation to give people secondhand items, say this is a ama- you know you can do it, you're amazing, then they go on their way, and they just don't have the strategies to to work with their work in their it, on their parenting in a really holistic and 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 safe way. And I say safe yeah. carefully because unfortunately, even though our mums love their babies, so many of them don't realise that some of that love can translate to their babies being unsafe. So, you know, smothering them with items in their cots, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we sort of, um, our generation grew up with bumpers in cots and things. um, And mobiles and things. So it's just educating people, women, about being safe. Thank you so much for
0: listening to this week's episode. If you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share, send us
1: a DM on Instagram at mothersanddaughterspod. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode. Spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend. Don't forget to rate and review
0: the podcast. See you next week and don't forget to call your mum.